Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Yaro Starak. Hello again, this is Yaro Starak. Thanks for joining the Entrepreneur's Journey Podcast. We're doing the second part of the interview with Daryl Grant, who with her husband sells ebooks online to make two hundred and fifty thousand US dollars per year. If you missed the first part of this interview, please go to entrepreneurs-journey.com or smallbusinessbranding.com or search for my name, Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, and you'll come across my blogs where you can download the part one of this podcast series. Okay, I'm going to get straight into the second part of the interview now, and I hope you enjoy. Bye-bye. Okay, so let's jump back into um, the day that you had the first success. Now, you got your first check. Was that um, was that more an indication, like that, that one check didn't make you rich, but that one check probably showed that the system is workable, and all you needed to do was replicate, right? So, yep. so that from that point on, you knew what was working, and then did you pretty much have success with every product from that point, or were you still making some mistakes and some products yeah. failed? Um, I don't think we've had a failure since then. I think it's the eighty twenty principle in that you know twenty percent of the stuff that you're doing is going to get you eighty percent of the income, and mm-hmm. you know I firmly believe that the eighty twenty principle is something that applies right across everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it, it's a, one of these natural laws that happens in any sort of business. So some of them will do better than others, and you know that's that's quite a, a standard thing. Um, when you're first of all doing your measuring, you know that you know, hey, this one is really going to blow things out of the water. When we start, we normally come up with um, 20 topics. We use a checklist, which is actually the first of the E-classes is how to come up with 20 topics, and we have 10 different ways that we use, including one which um, we recommend taking with a good bottle of red because (laughs) it definitely improves creativity. Um, But we have um, 10 different ways to come up with your uh, 20 topics. The second E-class then is how to narrow down those 20, and we use a checklist um, a six-step checklist, which will enable you to narrow down that 20 to um, five, um, and each of those takes uh, about half an hour to do to decide, just with desk research, whether or not one of those 20 topics should be shortlisted into the five. Mm-hmm. Once we've identified those five, we then put up what we call a survey site. So this is pretty much a mini version of what ultimately you're going to do. So you use the same marketing up front. I think you asked the question before, and I'm sorry, I must have gone sidetracked, about how you drive the traffic to the site. So remind me, I'll talk about that. Um, Initially, we use Google AdWords. So uh, uh, people people all know what Google AdWords are. Do I need to explain that? No, they'll they'll realise, yes. Go ahead. So... um, we drive. We basically set up a Google AdWord campaign with as many uh, relevant keywords as we can get, and what that does is it enables us to drive traffic to a little survey site. That survey site pretty much says, "Hi, you know, welcome. We're, we're writing a book on this topic. Um, if it's something you're interested in and you have any ideas of what you'd like included, please email us." And there's a little field there that they can type in their ideas. Now, the purpose of doing that is there's a few reasons for doing that. First of all, it will tell you how much traffic you're going to get to your site. 
Okay, the number of people that click on your ad, whether or not they hang around to respond to your survey, it will tell you how many people you're actually going to get clicking on your ad, how many visitors you're going to get every day. Mm -hmm. So that tells you whether or not you've got sufficient volume because you know that with a good sales letter, um, when you, if, if it is a goer and you do put up the full site, get the product uh, bills and all the rest of it, a good sales letter should get you around a 1% conversion rate. Okay? So you know that to have a reasonable sort of income, you're going to need about 500 clicks a day. Okay, mm-hmm. on your Google Ads. 500 clicks a day, 1% conversion rate means that you're going to get five sales a day. $30 a book, $150 a day gross income. So it, it's, it's enough to start playing with. Okay, right. uh, an e-book making 150 a day. The other thing that the survey site tells you is what, it, what is it going to cost to get that traffic to your site? Because there is no point getting 500 people a day to your site if it's going to cost you a dollar a click. Okay, there's no point spending $500 to get people to your site if you're only making $150. Mm-hmm. So to make the numbers work, I generally um, aim for your costs to be about a third of your income, assuming a 1% close rate. Okay, some nice okay. sound maths there, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're back to the maths. So, you know, <laughs> if, you can, maths, so. if you can get um, 500 people a day to your site at 10 cents a click, in you know the first two or three days, then you know that things are looking reasonable. Okay. Um, the other thing that you want to know is how many people are actually responding, um, because you can have all the maths working. And this is something else that Mal Emery talks a lot about: is successful sales are about two things, maths and psychology. You've got to have the maths right. The numbers have got to stack up. You know, like I said, there's no point at costing you a dollar a click to get to a page where you're selling a thirty-dollar ebook. It's never going to work. But you've also got to have the psychology right. If people get to your site and they go, oh, yeah, well, not really interested in that, go somewhere else, um, then it's still not going to work. You're going to have all this traffic to your site but no one buying. So we rely on 5% of people who visit the site responding to the survey. Um, In other words, giving you some sort of feedback about what they would like to see. If we can get a 5% response rate, then we know that... um, we're going to have enough traffic and enough interest, enough people passionate about it, so the psychology working well enough that people will be likely to buy the product. And the last thing that the survey site is useful for is actually reading the comments that come back. Um, because if you run the site for, say, a 1,000 clicks, 5% of people respond, you've got 50 responses there. Um, and the information that they provide can be pretty useful. We've actually, in the mentoring program, we've got... Um, I've actually pasted in an example of all of the uh, responses that we got to um, to one survey mm. site that we put up just to show people an example of, of what Some we would expect to see. Fantastic market research tool. Oh, it if is. Nothing yeah, else, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so you then follow through with the ones that the numbers show will work for the yeah. full. And we normally find about one in five. You actually found one them? in five. Um, so the five that we we start with twenty ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, we will actually weed out 15 of those with the desk research. We'll um, test five of them using survey sites and we'll take one of those, the best of those, through to full production. Okay. And of a full production site and this whole process, how much do you personally do? I mean, you're obviously the idea creator. You guys come up with the topics to test, mm-hmm. but you, all the technical things are going to your technical guys. Yep. Um, copywriting, are you the copywriters or are you outsourcing that to other people? Um, it varies a bit. Um, I have written some and um, 
I I have a copywriter that I use, Pete Godfrey, up in Mackay, um, in Queensland. Uh, he does a wonderful job. As a member of the mentoring program, you get access to him for half price. Which <laughs> I, I had to twist his arm a bit on that, but yeah, he is he is fantastic. I mean, he has made me so much money. Um, he. Uh, I generally find the best value for Pete because Pete is great, but he's not cheap. Even at half price, he's cheap. <laughs> Most good copywriters are. Um, so. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but um, what I find is best value for Pete is I put together a site, get it running for a while, um, calculate the conversion rate from that site, and then shoot it up to Pete and say, look, currently it's doing you know, 0.6%. I want it at 1%. Do your stuff to it. He's great like that. He will then um, do whatever is needed um, on my right. site to, to get the conversion rate to where I want it. Okay. That, that's why he's worth his weight in gold. Yeah, certainly. I, I, I can see how a copywriter would appreciate that. You mm-hmm. give them a template to start with as well and, yeah. and have some I mean, results, he will write so the whole thing, but he will charge you. A lot you for it, uh, yeah. Four times that amount. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, for me, it's just a you know, it's a cost-saving thing. Yeah. I certainly outsource the whole lot and just say to them, look, Pete, just write it for me. Um, in terms of the product these days, um, I tend to outsource it. Again, I've got a woman that I use a lot. I've got two that I use a lot in the states. One of whom has uh, made some wonderful offers for discounted services to mentoring program members. Again, mm-hmm. you can see I've hit up all the people that I <laughs> that I have worked with <laughs> over the last 18 months. And these are ghostwriters. <laughs> these ladies are ghostwriters, or yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so you own the copyright completely. They don't they don't retain any copyright. Um, I give them fairly. Uh, detailed specifications and again in the mentoring program I give you examples of, of specs that I would put up for a book because you can really run into problems if, imagine, you, yeah. if you give vague specifications you know you can spend $500 and get rubbish back and I know have, of people who have done yeah. that yeah I always find the whole um, ghostwriting industry amazing that people can produce a valuable mm. book with only a guideline to mm. draw from mm. without you know, necessarily yeah, researching I, I, tend, I tend to be fairly detailed I mean one of the templates that I have um, actually had some of the mentoring program members follow really successfully is our skin cancer advice book which was seven interviews of um, survivors of melanoma skin cancer and the specs that I put up were I want an introduction which is you know these 20 frequently asked questions and I actually wrote the questions mm-hmm. said you know go research the answers to those and then I want you to interview seven people who have had melanoma skin cancer who have um, survived it successfully and are you know, now free of symptoms, um, who used a mixture of uh, alternative and um, Western uh, medical therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want you to pull all that together and you know, draw some commonalities out of it. So <laughs> it, it was specific. That's impressive. <laughs> Um, and yeah, you know, the woman that, that wrote that book for me did a fantastic right. job. And it, it's, I think it's, the feedback that we're getting is that it's a book that has really helped a lot of people too. And how, when how I did the sorry, go ahead. When I, when I did the research for that originally, um, what I was finding, and you know, you do any searches on melanoma skin cancer, and you find a heap of medical stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all about the symptoms and the treatments and all the rest of it. There's, there's nothing about the emotional side, and uh, it just seemed to me that if you diagnosed with melanoma skin cancer, well. Yes, the you know the, the treatment is important, but there's you know the emotional stuff that's going on. You you need something to address that side of it. 
And the reason that I chose this particular woman was because she had a family member who had been through melanoma skin cancer a few years before. And just the response that I got from her about, you know, I really think that something like this is needed because, and she was almost, you know, mirroring my, my thoughts, even though I hadn't written down anything about um, the importance of the emotional right. versus the, the medical. Um, it was what she fed back to me. So I thought, look, this is the right person to write this book. Certainly. It's, it's going to be something special. And it was. It's a great book. And you found her through freelance writing things or Yes, we use, um, no, we use uh, um, a website called rentacoder.com, so www.rentacoder.com. And there's a good point there for people who haven't used it before. Rent-a-coders, not just for coders, there's also writers and all kinds (laughs) of freelancers there. We we get a huge amount of um, range of things done, you know, transcriptions, audio or video editing, uh, as well as articles and e-books and, and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. done on Rent-A-Coder. Um It's a good know, way to build relationships too, isn't it? It is, yes. And it's, it's safe to use. Um, the money for the jobs goes into escrow, so it's safe for both the buyer and the, the provider. Um, in that, you know, Rent-A-Coder pretty much act as the broker in between and, and they only release the money to the person doing the work after the person who's requested the job is, has said that they're satisfied and they will mediate if there's any arguments or anything. But if you pick people who have good ratings, it's a bit like eBay in that you get a rating um, for your performance as either a buyer or a, a seller or a code right. or a provider. Um, so you can pick someone who's got a good high rating. And how much did it cost to get that melanoma book produced? 500 US dollars. <laughs> That's a bargain. Um, <laughs> it is. I've, I've actually come up with ways to get them a little cheaper than that too. So uh, if that you join the mentoring program, you can find that. <laughs> out. So I've, I've got people getting that type of book written now for about 200 dollars US. Wow, fantastic. Which is pretty phenomenal. Well, mm. Sign me up right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's old>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think everyone's got a, a fantastic idea of how you you do basically what you do and if not the uh, the andrewanddaryl.com site should give the uh, fill the gaps if mm. and then if not again the mentoring program will definitely fill the gaps but sure. let's um well fast forward to present day then so everything's compounded i, I remember I, i've actually been inside andrew and daryl and, and seen your um your video where you show how much money you've got going to clickbank which is mm. at some days you've got that's over a thousand us dollars per day so yeah, that's, that's, cool, that's very know. cool yeah and um i i have one question did you use clickbank mm. from day one was that um yeah we did um a couple of reasons um clickbank is uh is well known and so if you're not selling internet marketing, if you're selling other types of information products, you, you've got quite a different audience. People who sort of go online to buy a product about skin cancer don't necessarily know a whole lot about the internet and they're not that comfortable buying stuff mm-hmm. online. If you're an internet marketer, then you know, you're used to buying stuff and you know what's reputable and what's not. So ClickBank tends to be something that people will recognise or if they don't, you know, you can tell them about who ClickBank are and they can go and do some research and find out, OK, well, yeah, you know, they're... They're a bit like the Amazon.com, only for e-books. They're, you know, they're that sort of size of organisation. Um, mm-hmm. They also make it very easy to collect the money. Um, they process all the credit cards with a secure server. They send you a cheque every uh, twice a month, and when you when your fortnightly amount goes over five thousand dollars, they'll actually wire it directly into your account. So it makes it really easy. Um, in terms of if you're in Australia, sales tax issues, GST. 
um, is all resolved using ClickBank. You're not worrying about how, what, you know, what proportion of your sales came from Australia and what came from where else and who Australia happens to have reciprocal right. agreements with right. and you've got to remit sales tax. That's a good it, point, I've, yeah. I'm, I'm very much into staying on the right side of the law when it comes to tax. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I was really concerned about having a system that didn't rely on the tax man not finding out. I'm, I'm not into doing that sort of stuff. I wanted to make sure that it was simple and it was legal and, um, you know, I could give it to my right. accountant and he'd tick it off. So basically you're just getting paid by ClickBank then, aren't you? Yeah. So it's just one international... Yeah. That's right. I mean, PayPal, I think, probably works as well these days because PayPal will now take credit cards. But when we first started, in order to sell through PayPal, you needed to have a PayPal account. And we knew that with the markets we were targeting, because most of our buyers weren't regular internet users, um, they probably wouldn't have PayPal accounts. Right. Too much, yeah. There. A yeah. bit of a knowledge gap there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I was curious for another reason, uh, which leads me to another question. ClickBank's very well known for the affiliate marketing, mm. where you have yep. lots of people coming into that website and choosing products they'd like to affiliate mm. sell and make a commission for. So yep. did you have a lot of people doing that through ClickBank, or is that just an yeah. extra bonus? The affiliates through ClickBank is kind of a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, a blessing in that if you've got a product that's not necessarily selling that well, maybe because your Google advertising is too expensive or you haven't quite got your sales set up to the point where it's, it's consistently closing at 1% or better, um, if affiliates pick up your product and run with it, you can, in some cases, close down all of your own advertising and just have the affiliates sell it. And you know, there's, there's times when we've done that and it, it's worked really well. Um, and we've got a couple of books at the moment which are primarily, uh, over time, we've reduced the amount of advertising we're doing and, and the affiliates have taken it, um, taken it up. Right. The downside of the ClickBank affiliates is that you don't have any control over who takes up your book and you don't have any one-to-one -one contact with them. Mm -hmm. So, for example, recently I got a threatening letter from... Um, from someone saying, you know, stop advertising uh, using my uh, registered trade name. And I emailed her back and said, what? <laughs> right. I've never heard of your registered trade name. I'm sorry, what's going on? And anyway, a few emails to and fro, and we figured out that what was happening was that an affiliate had picked up my product and was promoting my e-book um, using this woman's trade name as one of the keywords because it was in a related topic. So, right. you know, I, I emailed... ClickBank and got it all done. But if you had direct control over your affiliates, then that would be better. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you can't stop your, your affiliates from competing with you on Google. I mean, if all they're doing is picking up your ebook and running Google ads to sell them, then they're directly competing with you. And uh, with the changes that Google made about six months ago, um, there will be one person or one ad for your website going to your website. But prior to that, you know, I could look up one of my better keywords and have five or six ads all going to my website, right. which is just insane, you know. It's which would have been luck great back then. But buys <laughs> off, off mine or not, you yeah. know. And, and if someone is not writing particularly good ads, these days Google only allows one ad with, with the same URL, you know, mm -hmm. in any one search. So if someone's written a lousy ad but is willing to pay more for it, then there's lots of eyeballs that I'm not able to get to my yeah, site that's, that's because an this person point. is just throwing away money and, 
and people are not clicking on their ad because they haven't written a very good one. So right. there's downsides to the ClickBank affiliate program. I, I think probably the upside outweighs it. Um, one of the things that I did to overcome the problem was I put the, the affiliate percentage down. Um, <laughs> That's unusual. You know, if, people, <laughs> if people are... Um, are selling well in that they've got a good database and they're promoting my products to their database well, then they're going to be making good money even at a, a lower um, commission. Commission, right. uh, you know, if they've if they've nurtured their database, they're going to have a, a two or three percent close rate. And have you ever thought about, you know, perhaps actively seeking joint venture partners for certain books? So I mean. Not necessarily through yeah. ClickBank, but maybe you know finding people overseas who have good lists mm. who you think can target. Like, is it? Do you find? I mean, I've been taught, or at least I've studied materials that tell me you're better off going deep with one product if you know it's doing mm. well. So if you've hit an ebook that's really selling well, then maybe you might want to you know build a list from the mm. sales you make from that, then add some complementary products you can mm. sell. You know, through through that list, um, yeah. and then maybe make even more high-end products, and just keep selling to the ready converted customers, yeah. and do more joint ventures and so forth. But do you find you you want to do that, or is it just easy to start another product because of the system you've got in place? It's kind of a mix. We actually get a lot of offers um, each week from people saying, "Look, you know, love your stuff. Can we do a JV?" So we get a, a lot of um, interest that way. Uh, for a couple of our products, we have what we call a back-end process. Um, it's something that we haven't probably done as much as we should have. And yes, Mal Emery keeps bugging me that, you know, why haven't you done it? You should be doing this. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I've probably gotten to the stage where, well, look, I've replaced my consulting income. I'm actually quite enjoying it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. The time I'm spending with my kids... I'd rather do nothing. It's actually one of the real difficulties I've had is because this stuff is so much fun and because it is so easy to make so much money on it, it can get quite addictive. Um, but I did set a goal up front that I wanted to work no more than 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there are so many opportunities out there. I could be making 10 times what I'm making if I wanted to put the time and effort into it. And that's something that has just astounded me. Um, when we were initially looking at this building passive income, it seemed to be really elusive. It seemed to be a real sort of holy grail. But now that we've cracked it, it's like there are more opportunities than we could ever dream of, of you know, mm. taking up. Mm. There are just so many opportunities out there. And it just gets to the stage where you need to prioritise. Yes, I could easily be working 100 hours a week and have all this stuff happening, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get, you know, 12, 13 grand a fortnight dropped into my bank account and have a decent right. lifestyle. That's a good point. <laughs> you know point. what I mean? It's so it, yeah. So for me it's a trade-off and I'm sure other people would have different ideas about oh what people sure. want to yeah. do but that, that for me is the... That's a good point about, about lifestyle which which mm. is something I mean I've touched on myself with, with the 80-20 rule. I mean you yeah. want to... You're not doing it just for the money so you have to no, prioritise in that sense. Right. But when did you I, I guess decide that? How did you... Uh, you know <laughs> was it a mental switch that you made or you just you knew from day one, as soon as um, I hit that quarter of a million a year, I'm going <laughs> to work less. Yeah. So. I think it's probably a mix of subconscious stuff. I mean, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, as you get closer to a goal, the motivation tends to drop. So it's always the last two or three kilos in a diet that's hardest to, you know, to, to lose sort of yeah. stuff because, because your, your dissatisfaction level drops. And so, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the way things are going. Uh, I think if I was outside of, 
of that if I was really feeling like, oh, but I've got to be making a million dollars a year. Um, I'm not going to be content until I'm doing that, then yeah, I'd, I'd, be, doing, I'd okay. be doing more stuff. So, so I think it, it's, it's a subconscious driver, but for me it was a conscious decision to say, look, I do want to spend more time with my kids. I've, I've worked in the consulting business where you're lucky if you get four days holiday a year. Um, mm. You know, I've been there and done that, and I, I'm actually quite enjoying just being able to go to the gym every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to just not work on weekends if we don't want to, getting a, you know, this unit down the coast and just being able to spend time with the kids down the coast and stuff like that. It, for us, that is probably the biggest transformation. You know, it's nice to have these dollars, but ultimately, you know, the dollars are only numbers. It's what you can do with that and what difference it makes to your life that, to me, is special. Mm-hmm. So, you know, spending time with the kids, being able to go and work on some of the not-for-profit projects that we're doing and... and not have to say to the, the organisations first, yeah, go and get a government grant and then you can pay us and you know, then we'll come and do the work for you. To be able to say to them, look, you know, we've got some spare time, we'll come and, and work with you now, what would you like to do? <laughs> they must love it's you. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool, you know, it's a, it's a nice, nice way to be living. Right, so it's a perfect time to ask that question, then what, what's the future hold, where are you going? with this? <laughs> where's the motivation um, taking you? Where's the motivation taking us? That is an excellent question. We have um, some goals to travel overseas, um, so we're probably going to be heading over the state. Uh, last year, um, Mal Emery actually awarded us, get this, Rebellious Marketers of the Year, <laughs> which came with <laughs> airfares and tickets to a Dan Kennedy conference in, oh, right. uh, in Atlanta, I think, in November. So we're heading over there then. The, we, like I said, we've got a couple of other mentors in the States and we're going to go and visit them and go to their workshops. So um, one of the nice things about what we do and with the technology that's available is that we can be doing it from anywhere in the world. So, you know, being able to take the kids to you know, see all the, all the fun things, visit Rellos and other friends overseas and still, you know, just be able to take what we're doing with us and not mm-hmm. really have anything change in terms of um, what we're doing work-wise uh, is, is kind of nice. So we're going to experiment with that a bit next year. Okay. And uh, we're almost at the hour mark, so it's probably a good time to stop. Yeah, but I, I always oh, end these with one question that, um, for our mm-hmm. listeners more than anything, yeah. um, in terms of, this is a, my, my blog and my website are for entrepreneurs we cover a lot of topics, but a lot of people who come to the site are, are budding people who probably want to be where you are and are working mm-hmm. towards that. What sort of advice would you give them in terms of you know, major hurdles that you had to clear or any you know, real sticky points that, you know, how they mm. can progress past them themselves? Yeah. Um, get very focused. So set a goal, decide what you want to do, and... Um, don't let things distract you from that. So, you know, know the outcome that you want and then pick the shortest road there. Um, too often I see people trying this and trying that and heading off in all sorts of directions. You know, you've got an opportunity here and I believe, you know, whether you do it through what I've laid out or, or some other way, pick one process, follow it through and um, reap the rewards. Once you've got that under your belt, it'll give you the confidence and probably the financial foundation then to grow to the next step. Don't try and you know bite it off, bite off too big a chunk and, and do do too much at once. Stay focused, 
do do it stepwise, get it happening, and uh, and build it from there. Excellent. Sounds like, as always, everyone gives some great advice at the end there. I, th um, I think we'll wrap it up, Daryl. Thanks for, for joining me. There was fan fantastic stuff in there. I'll probably break this up into two because it's uh, a <laughs> bit long for one listening. Yeah, well, I, I warned you I could talk underwater. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that was um, spot on for the sort of thing I'm interested in learning myself, and I know That's a lot of people stuff. listening will be as well. So thank you okay. once again, and uh, good luck with your future endeavors. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Yara. Well, I hope you enjoyed the final part of the interview with Daryl Grant. I really enjoyed uh, the second part in particular because we got into the nitty-gritty of how they go through their process of creating the e-books and selling them. So if you're um, interested in information marketing or selling information products online like I am, you would have definitely got a lot of value from what Daryl talked about there. And I personally hope to put some of that into practice myself in the near future once I finish launching my own blogtrafficschool.com course. That, that's the next thing on my agenda is um, selling some ebooks and, and testing out that system. So hopefully I'll have some positive experiences like Daryl as well. And I, if you're planning on doing the same, uh, it'd be great to hear some feedback on how you go with Daryl's system if you end up doing something along that, along that style and if uh, anything she talked about in today's podcast help you. As usual, if you're interested in downloading more interviews with other entrepreneurs and uh, people running businesses both online and offline, take a look at entrepreneurs-journey.com or smallbusinessbranding.com. They're my two blogs. My name is Yaro Starak, and if you Google for me, Yaro, Y-A-R-O, you'll find links to all my websites at the top of the search results. All right, I'll catch you again next podcast. Thanks for listening today, everyone. Bye-bye.